Maybe I could be like an announcer, like a color man. I don't believe what I just saw! You know how I always make those interesting comments during the game? Personally, I think you got hosed on that call. Yeah, yeah, you make good comments. So what about that? Well, you know, they tend to give those jobs to ex-ball players and people that are, you know, in broadcast. What about a talk show host? This is In the Booth. Talk show host, that's good. <laughs> I think I'd be good at that. I talk to people all the time. With Matt Park. And welcome to a new week of In the Booth here on ESPN Radio Syracuse. Football put to bed. We'll do a little bit more of that on this show today and basketball Cranking up the most important stretch of the uh, pre-conference season begins tonight. The Orange play Maryland in the Carrier Dome in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. Then it's off for a two-game road trip, leaving Friday for Miami and a f- basketball game Saturday evening in uh, Miami against Kansas. Currently uh, checking in at number two in the polls. Then it is on to New York and the uh, opportunity to play at Madison Square Garden this year for Syracuse and Connecticut, which is always a good time and uh, looking forward to all of that still to come. We uh, will get into plenty. Phone calls welcome, certainly. You want to rehash the football, uh, touch base on that, we can do it. You want to talk basketball, we can. We'll do that. We'll visit with Matt Rowe, right? Who better to talk Syracuse versus Maryland basketball? Matt will be at the game tonight. He's bringing his son, Trevor, apparently uh, decked out in Maryland gear. We want to get uh, Matt's Thoughts on that, and certainly do want to talk uh, football and X's and O's and Steve Ishmael and Coach Baber's comments and all of that in just a bit, and we will do that. Want to start the show today, though, on Walter Reyes. Um, stunning news today, passed away at age 36. Uh, Walter uh, came from a tough upbringing in uh, Youngstown, Ohio, and um, it uh, we don't know all the details of what, what's gone down here, but uh, it uh, looks like a very sad, premature ending to a tremendous life. Walter was a guy who worked exceptionally hard, had a smile and a nice word for everybody, very mature, showed up when needed, and that's not a slam dunk for college athletes. You know, and Brian Higgins and I, he'll tell you the same thing. We ask a lot of these players in terms of bringing our coverage to you and the amount of interviews you lean on key players. Zaire Franklin, who just played his last game for Syracuse, was a rock for us. Every time needed, showed up smile on his face. Sure, he had better things to do, but was there every single time, uh, answered the bell, answered the questions, and stood up for his team. Walter Reyes was that guy as well, and a totally underrated player. Reyes, in uh, from 2001 to 2004, rushed for 3,424 yards. He's the number two all-time leading rusher in Syracuse football history to Joe Morris. You do anything as a running back at Syracuse that puts you in the record books with all the great backs that have been here over time, you're a baller. Reyes, uh, who also was a track athlete you know, in high school and could really fly, was a perfect marriage for the old turf, the Astro turf, before field turf became popular and, and came in. The dome track was so fast, and Reyes was uh, extraordinary on it. Second on the all-time school list as well for rushing touchdowns in a game. You recall when uh, Syracuse blasted Notre Dame in December of 2003 here in the Dome, five rushing touchdowns for Walter Reyes in that game. He ran for 20 touchdowns that year after 17 the year prior. 
And a lot of years, that puts you at the top of uh, just about any conference in the country. There wasn't quite the tempo and the number of plays uh, in college football at that time a few years ago that there are now. But uh, running for 1,100 yards in, in 2002, coming back for 1,300 yards in 03, and then in 04, uh, missed a couple of games. Went on and uh, had a brief go with the Tennessee Titans, but uh, always sad to see somebody die before their time and uh, really surprised with Walter Reyes. Uh, don't recall exactly the last time we saw him at the Carrier Dome, but it uh, doesn't seem like it was that long ago. And uh, a good guy. Um, I think all his teammates would uh, speak up for him as uh, somebody that was uh, dependable and rock solid and certainly took care of that on the field. Those uh, two seasons, by the way, 20 rushing touchdowns and 17 rushing touchdowns are first and second all-time in school history. The next best is 14. Floyd Little, who I know was on the the show with Seth just prior, and uh, James Mungro, who's uh, back in the area and around from time to time, are uh, tied for third for uh, most touchdowns in a season with 14. But uh, Walt was so dependable. Those teams weren't exactly loaded with talent all the time, and uh, he got the job done. And uh, that game against Notre Dame is an all-time epic performance. Five touchdowns uh, to see Syracuse in the Dome outclass Notre Dame on a given day is exceptional. Walter's uh, second in a lot of categories. Talk about second all-time leading rusher overall in total yards, second in touchdowns, in a game, he did it five times. Second in yards per game, also to uh, Joe Morris against Kansas in 79. Walt, in uh, September of 2003, went for uh, 241 yards. He had 237 against Rutgers, which is fourth on the uh, all-time list. And uh, it's not in the top ten, but he did have a boatload of yards in that game against uh, Notre Dame as well. He was just, on that day, at a completely different level. can remember a long run up the left sideline, the opposite, the uh, press box side, the visiting team bench side, and uh, he could go. So rest in peace, Walter Reyes, prayers to his family and a uh, guy that we're uh, thinking about today. When Young, I think Youngstown Wal- is tough, and uh, I think it ends up getting back to people. When I think of Walter Reyes, I think he's the only football player in uh, the history of my working there that the crowd would chant his name yeah. during the games, like Walter Reyes, like the whole game. And it was awesome, and and he is definitely uh, underrated when it. Comes well, it's to- totally underrated. I mean, if you went out to uh, Shifties and just st- swallows and at any other dive bar around here, and people that identified themselves as, as uh, you know Syracuse football fans that aren't encyclopedic about it, right, and said, you know, name me the top ten all-time leading rushers. Top ten. I'm not sure people would would come up with his name. Or, you know, if you ask where was he, you know, on the list, I'm not sure people would come close. He's second on the list. Okay, Jim Brown, obviously different story. They played fewer games back then. I know that. They didn't play as freshmen. But those guys are studs, unquestionably, obviously. Jim Brown, Floyd Little, Ernie Davis, Larry Zonka, and Walter Reyes was uh, at or beyond them in uh, in a lot of categories in the record books, uh, right up there with Joe Morris and uh, the all-time leading rusher in terms of uh, rushing touchdowns here at Syracuse, 10 clear of uh, Floyd Little. So he had another year, but uh, cleared him by 10. 
next closest, James Mungro, uh, 29. So uh, Walt was a guy who got it done, can, uh, can picture his smile, and uh, he will be missed. Fifth all-time in the Big East in touchdown scored. Yeah. That's pretty impressive. So thinking about going to reach out to guys like uh, Troy Noons and guys from back in, in that time and, and uh, thinking about them today because uh, I'm sure they valued Walter as a teammate and uh, he has been lost by the uh, Syracuse football family today. All right, we will get into football when we continue. Look back at the game, hear some sound from some of the things that went down. Really the uh, lone positive in the last quarter of the season is the uh, record set by Steve Ishmael. You'll hear about that, and uh, we'll kind of uh, start to throw some dirt on the 2017 Syracuse football season with uh, better days ahead as the the coaches are out on the recruiting trail as early as yesterday, uh, trying to get uh, things headed back into the right direction. We'll also turn our attention to Syracuse basketball tonight. I am jacked up for the game. Two of the best rebounding teams in the country. Uh, One of the biggest teams Syracuse will see in the early part of the season. Maryland comes in. Maryland lost, by the way, to St. Bonaventure. It's the only blight on the schedule for either of these two teams so far. The Orange still to see the Bonnies. St. Bonaventure won that game with uh, without its best player by shooting 38%, by getting outboarded by seven, and by not making a three. And they beat Maryland. Maryland turns it over. We'll get into that. But I uh, wanted to spend the first part of the show on Walt Reyes, thinking about you, Walt, and uh, thinking about all of those who knew him best. Back in the booth as we continue on ESPN Radio Syracuse. Game day coverage of Syracuse basketball is brought to you by Geico on the Pulse of the Orange, ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. Sunday, the Giants head west to battle the Oakland Raiders. Pre-game at 325. Big Blue plays here. ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. This is In the Booth with Matt Park. In the Booth brought to you by CH Insurance, CNYRealtor.com, and Burdick Ford. Good to have you with us in the booth on a Monday here on ESPN Radio Syracuse. Orange basketball tonight in the Dome, 7 o'clock against Maryland on the air over there at 5.30 on TK99. And then basketball with a 5.30 start Saturday against Kansas in Miami. That should be a blast. UConn on Tuesday night, a week from tomorrow in New York at Madison Square Garden. Hope to see many of you there. That's a great trip. And uh, hopefully a last year's game was competitive. It was not well played and was a loss that Syracuse was kicking itself for suffering at uh, MSG. But got to find a way to get it done this time around. All right, football, orange Losing again in decisive fashion, uh, allowing over 40 points to Boston College on uh, Saturday in the Carrier Dome. And uh, this is how she went down in the close as uh, the Orange uh, lost five in a row to uh, end the year with a 4-8 and eight record. So the high of the Clemson game, one of the best ever Dome games in Syracuse football wins. They aren't going to take it away from you, but it wasn't backed up. The Orange wind up on a five-game losing streak to end the season. Boston College 42, Syracuse 14. And the uh, Orange in that one just outmatched, uh, did not have enough uh, offensive punch, and the defense in the last three games not representative of what it was in the first uh, three quarters of the season could not stop A.J. Dillon. Now, nobody could stop A.J. Dillon this year, so the Syracuse couldn't is not some uh, great scourge or 
um, out of nowhere. It is demoralizing to see. It, it's incredible to see a freshman back make uh, the kind of impact he did at 240 pounds, and that's why you recruit. You try to find those guys, and I'm sure there's a lot of schools kicking themselves that they don't have him. He's going to go to Michigan. Michigan thought they were good enough at running back to put him at linebacker. He said no thanks and uh, went on to BC, and the Orange had a very difficult time with uh, A.J. Dillon, and Syracuse's defense uh, just not there in the final three games of the year for a number of reasons that we have enumerated. Uh, Among the very few positives in the last three games of the season, the performance of Steve Ishmael, who had his worst game of the year at Louisville, in Game 11 a week ago this past Saturday, and we said if you're looking for a silver lining on that one, well, at least you can get to record-breaking right away and in front of your home fans. And on the very first play of the game, a uh, quick high-percentage completion, which is what this offense is, to the right sideline for Ishmael. That was a new single-season record. It was his 95th catch. He would go on to have 11 catches in the game for over 180 yards, and uh, now a new record, 105 receptions in a season. So he was, uh, as the game went on, establishing his own record. Amba Edatawo had the 94 catches last year, which was the previous record. And then next milestone for Ishmael to get would be passing Marvin Harrison on the career-receiving yards list. He needed only 30 or some yards coming into the game, so it was apparent as soon as this completion was made, he had checked that box as well. Three receivers flood the pattern to the left. Culpepper looking that way, fires and it's caught. First down and then some Steve Ishmael breaking the record and going all the way to the house. 37 yards and past Marvin Harrison on the all-time receiving list. Steve Ishmael does it with flair. He is the number one receiving yards leader in Syracuse University history. He does it with a touchdown. Well, again, talking about Walter Reyes' records and the names that are on that list here at Syracuse, and I understand there's asterisks. So, you know, Marvin Harrison played only a couple of years and in an offense that didn't throw it anywhere near as much as this offense did. Everybody back at that time would say, why did we not throw to Marvin Harrison more often? He's a NFL Pro Football Hall of Famer and obviously uh, a complete rock star, and Syracuse got a lot out of him, But uh, and maybe by then – the standards were fine, but not like what we expect out of wide receivers now or what you'd think Harrison would do in this system. That catch, to me, was notable because for this year, 105 catches for Steve Ishmael, awesome. Tip your cap. He catches everything thrown to him. But it feels like, and this is probably not exactly accurate, that 90 of the 105 catches by Ishmael were quarterback takes the snap, a slight lean back, whip it out to the right sideline, Ishmael catch, and then knock that out of bounds or tackled. And that's not nothing. That gets you 8, 10, 15 yards at a clip. But that catch that he set the record on, he was a slot receiver on the left. He didn't really line up in the slot much at all in the uh, until the second half of the season. He hardly lined up left of the quarterback all year. And that was one where he came in, he caught the ball on the move, kept going, and going and going. And uh, Culpepper, Rex Culpepper had, you know, not a great game probably in his first career start, but a couple of fantastic throws. So you can see the promise there and a couple of those throws right on the money to a receiver in stride on a kind of a slant there in that case to Ishmael. And off he went. That was a 37-yard 
touchdown, and we spoke with Steve about it after the game. Four years here. Obviously, wish I could have done better for the team. Wish I could have put a lot more out there. But, you know, um, can't question what God do, you know, so I'm just trusting him every situation. Thankful to be a part of Orange Nation and, you know, just finish off strong. Quick upside of uh, you having an off game last week at Louisville was you're going to set those records here at the Dome. So first play of the day, bang, single season uh, record for single season catches here. Passing uh, Amba last year, uh, got up over 95, wound up being over 100 catches. How about that in terms of the way this offense allowed you to be that prolific? It's a blessing, man. As you said, man, Jesus wears the best way, man. I had a not too good of a game last week. You know, didn't get a chance to catch as much passes, but, you know, came out here first play of the game, broke the record. So it was just a blessing, man. You know, I thank Coach Babers. You know, all the coaches, they provide a lot, a lot of opportunities in this offense, you know, and I felt like just made the best out of it. Shout out to Irv Phillips, who has the career record of four receptions. And then a couple catches into the game, you were able to get one on the move, which is something we haven't seen you do a lot of uh, this year and uh, all the way to the end zone. And in that one, you beat uh, Marvin Harrison's career yardage record. How cool is that? That's cool, man. It's just crazy, man. Um, I felt like... I could always do that, man, you know, catch the ball and make a move and, and run after that. But, you know, it just was they, they the defense that they played allowed me to run after it. So, you know, it was cool. And, you know, as you said, shout out to Irv. You know, he had a big season, too. You know, um, and it was just a blessing just to be out there and play. 11 catches, 187 yards for uh, Steve Ishmael today, including uh, his 18th career touchdown reception. And Ish will give you the final word in terms of uh, representing the offense today. Uh, I know you guys weren't yourselves really for the, the tail end of the season, but uh, what do you feel about this group and the, the guys that you took that uh, postgame lap with? Man, it, we, we, I feel like us seniors, man, we, we care so much, man. We started the foundation. You know, I feel like we did a great job in terms of mentoring the, the younger kids, you know, um, I feel like it's only going to get better from here. You know, as you said, in the beginning of the season, we started off strong, but, you know, we just didn't finish. But, you know, I feel like with the young ones seeing what we did and how much we cared, it's, it's going to eventually click in their minds and next year they're going to go all the way. So, you know, I have the upright most faith in them and looking forward to next season watching them do big things. Steve Ishmael, who uh, very – much so will get an NFL look, and hopefully this time next year he's on an NFL team. Certainly catches everything, whether the all of the other attributes are there to exist in the NFL is a different story. You know, is he a total game breaker like Julio Jones and uh, Martavis Bryant and people like that, uh, Antonio Brown? Um, that remains to be seen, but uh, looks like a pro to me. Of course, we thought last year Ahmed Atabo looked like a pro, and and it's tough to make it in that league. You know, receivers, there's only four or five of them on the team that play. Uh, the fifth and maybe sixth guy, if there is one, are special teamers. And, and Ishmael didn't do a lot of that here. It doesn't mean that he, he couldn't, but he, he didn't necessarily in college. His brother's in the NFL with the Atlanta Falcons. And uh, certainly we hope nothing but the best for Ishmael going forward. He was today named the ACC Wide Receiver of the Week for the last week of the season and a much stronger finish. You remember at the end of uh, last year, he was unavailable to a Syracuse for the stretch run of the season. As for Coach Babers, he knows that story. Unavailable, he knew, you know, for all intents and purposes, Eric Dungy, certainly this last week, it didn't make any sense, even if healthy, to put him out there. Dungy did come out before the game and play catch with Dante Strickland, et cetera. I don't know if that's uh, worthwhile or not, but he was not available and uh, there was no drama about that really uh, for this week, like there may have been the previous two weeks. And for Babers, it's a matter of uh, shaking this one off uh, because 
the Orange have got to find some answers. They lost to five in a row. They did not back up the Clemson game other than maybe in recruiting with a little momentum there and striking while the iron was hot several weeks ago. But in terms of X's and O's and wins and losses is what I meant to say for this year, the Clemson game was not followed up upon, and it's out on the recruiting trail for Babers and his staff now. Cornerstone of the foundation, the foundation that we're building. People can't, you, nev- you never get to see the foundation, you just get to see the house. And Everybody asks, talks about how pretty the house is, but the house is nothing without the base, and these guys are the base of what we're going to be building. You can't see it yet. It's, it's not off the ground, but when it gets off the ground, it's going to be because of what these guys did in 2017 that gave us a chance to get it started. Coach, is there a sour taste to the way this season, and you just weren't what Syracuse football was the first three quarters of the season through the first really nine games. You weren't that in the the final three. The defense wasn't as strong as we saw in the best of times. Uh, even today, the idea of running just 62 plays and, and not keeping up the tempo, that, that's not who you really want to be. Well, you know, it's a situation you're trying to you're trying to win as a team, and you're not trying to leave leave one or leave the other. And when you, when you have a situation where you're trying, there's so many guys that are – uh, not with you that started with you and that's on every football team that's not an excuse it's just how it is you just got to find different ways to win and uh, our situation is we wanted to slow down a little bit sure. and not and not slow down a lot and see if we could uh, shorten the game a little bit and give help everybody out but it didn't work out last year famously at the end of the season you were able to rally the troops in a way that really inspired them through the off season and I know uh, whether that's today or this weekend uh, certainly that'll be part of your mission to start moving forward on 2018 how do you do that well, you know, you do that by telling everyone the truth, and uh, we have to go in and 300. And we have to get better. It's not 365 days, you know. It's it's 250 days. We have to get better, and we will. And uh, we'll go out and we'll line up again for 2018, and we'll be new and improved. You know, I think everybody saw as you walked off the field. Uh, Paul Pasqualoni intercepted you. Uh, are you willing to share anything that he may have said about uh, the direction of the program or what he thinks? Certainly, his words carry weight. Uh, having won more games in here than anybody, you know, all that stuff's really private. I really respect the heck out of that guy. He's a he has a lot of knowledge. He's an encyclopedia of knowledge. And when you go against people like that, you better make sure you cross your T's and dot your I's. And you, even though he may not have the, I don't believe he has the title, but you can see his his. His his techniques, his style, all over that defense, and I just you know it was a well well coached group of young men, and you can and you can see that. And I just complimented him, and he said some things to me. Okay, great. Last thing, uh, you know, one more message to, for everybody to keep in mind here. Uh, certainly, the message that you'll have to your team is the most important. But uh, how would you like to leave the the fans uh, through the off season with uh, football back in here in the dome in September? You know, the, the, our days are in front of us. They're not behind us. We're going to get better. We're not going to get worse. And as as we grow and, and uh, our depth grows, we're going to get better and better and better. The roots will be strong. And, then, and once the roots are strong, we'll start to grow and we'll really sprout up. All right, Coach, we can certainly tell that message is consistent among uh, you and your staff. Uh, I know you want to get the players fired up, so we'll let you get to it. Best of luck. Thank you, Matt. All right, Dino Babers, guys, back upstairs to you. Well, one of the uh – the best things that uh, Dino Babers has going for him is his confidence. We talked about that in a number of ways that it has played out, right? The idea that um, he know, I mean, maybe someday it'll be proven to be wrong, but I don't think that's we're anywhere near that yet. But he knows what he's doing. He has a plan. He's executing the plan. And so for him, it's he doesn't like it, but he's seen this happen before. It's part of the growing pains. The only thing that maybe is a little different here than it's been in his previous stops is at both Eastern Illinois and Bowling Green, 
you're in a situation where everybody's basically in the same pool. Everybody's got roughly the same talent, roughly the same facilities, et cetera. That's not the case in the ACC. And so the exact blueprint is not necessarily going to unfold the same way it has uh, in the past. Did I say SEC? It's not true in the SEC or the ACC. And Syracuse, of course, happens to be in the ACC. But but the most important thing for Babers is getting back on the road and getting to recruiting where uh, he's very confident about what he and his staff are able to do. They know what they're looking for. They're direct. And uh, I think those are all uh, very positive signs. And we did the all-ACC voting yesterday. You go through and, and look at it. It's not a coincidence. There aren't a lot of players, and, and the ones that are are in offensive skill positions. You're not considering a lot of freshmen and sophomores for all-conference. You look at who leads the league in defensive playmaking, not exclusively, um, but it's juniors and seniors, particularly in the mid, you know, the front seven positions. Can you come in as a freshman corner and make some plays? Yes, you can. Um, and you know, you might be able to upgrade your program there. Syracuse, right now, the biggest thing about the Orange transitioning from one year to the next is a lot of position groups that are unaffected here by graduation or the exhaustion of eligibility. Where they are hurt is. Their top two wide receivers, very important position at Syracuse, are gone, and all three starting linebackers are gone. So it's not like those losses are interspersed, you know, one here, one there, and you you plug in the next man. They will get uh, gashed at two very important position groups and more or less maintain status quo and move forward in uh, some of the others. And I think you'll start to see, uh, we talked about it maybe happening this year, but I think what you'll see is next year is where – young perimeter offensive players are going to have to come in and be better than what's here and uh, step up and move forward. The other thing, when somebody said, hey, something's got to, somebody in the office earlier today, something's got to change, right? What's going to change? Schedule's going to change. Schedule's changing. And you'll notice that in the next couple of years. The schedule's softening. Next year's opener is at Western Michigan. And Western Michigan's good. They scared USC at the start of this year. Western Michigan is not LSU. So that that's the trade you're making. UConn comes in at home. Uh, I guess maybe taking the place of LSU this year is Notre Dame uh, is the kind of the fun road trip for next year. The crossover games and, and that type of stuff, we'll see how that shakes out. But it's not going to be against the Miami team that was unbeaten until the last week of the season. And uh, and then you've got your conference games. You've got Florida State at home, Clemson on the road, et cetera. So uh, your division games obviously are always very tough. The, the way the schedule opens next year is on the road against a MAC team, Western Michigan. Syracuse should be favored to, to win that. It's not a certainly not a slam dunk, but ought to have Eric Dungy at 100% at quarterback, and, and you go and you take your chances against Tim Lester's team at uh, Western Michigan. Then you come home against a 1AA in Wagner, and that's not even a good 1AA. And then uh, from there, uh, FCS, they call it now, and then you go on uh, – through the movements there, and don't be surprised if the Orange have an early conference game next year. Right now, the the third and fourth weekends of the season not yet spoken for, uh, to my knowledge. So that could happen. But Western Michigan, Wagner, Connecticut, Notre Dame, next year's non-conference schedule. More to come as we continue in the booth. We'll talk basketball with a guy who played at both Syracuse and Maryland, Matt Rowe, the Orange and Terps tonight in the Dome in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. It's as we roll along on the Syracuse. Almost did it again there, Polly.
on ESPN Radio Syracuse. You know, when I'm tired or, or when I'm rolling, I let my guard down. And that's uh, that would be like a fine jar. Not that we should ever go into that again. I don't think the show will ever be on a network. No, <laughs> we're not going to have to worry about that. Not going to have to worry about that. I get kind of absent-minded and not a good thing. I was rolling there for a minute. What is it? It's ESPN Radio Syracuse. Get on the block with Brent Axe. I think they're that brick, that cornerstone. I think they're going to be part of the foundation that we set, that we're building upon. And then when we turn this thing around, when we do win, I think people are going to look back on the 2017 class as a key part of that. On the block with Brent Axe, 4 to 6. ESPN Radio 97.7, 100.1, 1200 AM and 1440 AM. Live from the com, powered by Drivers Village Studio. This is ESPN Radio. 97.7 FM, Syracuse. And 100.1 FM, Oswego. Do we care? Interesting. I doubt it. No, wait, the other thing. Tedious. But we will do this segment anyway. Don't care anymore. Here's Joe Salzone. Tennessee will not be hiring Greg Schiano, Ohio State's defensive coordinator. Had signed a memo of understanding with the Vikings, or the, excuse me, the volunteers. <laughs> I even corrected that, and I still made that mistake. Welcome back from vacation. Uh, with the volunteers on Sunday, a formal announcement was going to be made last night, but outcry over Shiano's connection to Jerry Sandusky has put the brakes on the hiring and Tennessee now backing out of the agreement. Yeah, it's brutal. It's uh, an incredible story. And if it weren't for the Walter Reyes stuff at the start of the show that I want to spend time on is more relevant locally. To me, this is a fascinating deal. Uh, First of all, let's set aside. If there's actual proven connection between Shiano and Sandusky and Shiano knowing about it, condoning it, any of that, then he should never work again, period. I don't think any of that is... I don't think that's been proven. Um, I think at hearsay, at best, there's a hearsay connection with him. He has been vetted and hired by several people since. He's a good football coach. Let's not pretend that Tennessee isn't hiring him really for that reason. There's a public outcry. They're hurt that they didn't get John Gruden, which is a completely ridiculous pie-in-the-sky thought in the first place. Tennessee thinks they're better than they actually are. They do have tremendous resources. They do have a tremendous... Uh, fan base in terms of volume. They look horrible in this deal here. Uh, reactionary to Twitter, reactionary to the fan outcry. Uh, I would have thought they would have had somebody uh, maybe a little bit more appealing in the pipeline as available. As you know, But if you, once you've decided on Shiano, then stick with it. That They look terrible in this, and it's really going to hurt a lot of people. Now, can Shiano go back to Ohio State? I don't think so. Who's going to hire him? Now, uh, so they've ruined him for at least the near term. They owe money for that. Who's going to want to go to Tennessee unless it's like T. Martin, who's a pretty inexperienced coach. I don't know if he's ready to be a head coach and return home, but uh, it's not as appealing a job as it should be otherwise. Uh, it's a mess. Uh, Twitter is too powerful. People give it uh, too much credit, and uh, that that is a, that one really stinks to high heaven. Can we put a stop to the John Gruden, Bill Cowher stuff? Bill Cowher, I can't, it's it amazing over, people talk about that. Oh, it's well, other, it's people like, how did the president get elected? People are in awe of people that are on television. And, you know, John Gruden, people that know him best, say this guy's interest is coaching in the pros. Booger uh, McFadden this morning on, on Mike and Mike or uh, Golik and Wingo uh, actually said, look, I'm not speaking for him, but I know him pretty well. He's a pro football coach. 
meaning he doesn't really want to recruit. He wants to coach grown men that, that uh, whose paycheck he controls. And, uh, you know, tennis, it would be obviously a total home run if Tennessee could land him, but whoever thought they could. And uh, and so whoever came in other than Gruden, uh, they were likely to, to rip to shreds. So Bad deal. Duke is number one in the AP Top 25. The poll, which came out today, dropped Arizona from the poll entirely after they were number two last week. Kansas taking that spot with Michigan State, Villanova, and Notre Dame rounding out the top five. Notre Dame won in Maui. Uh, great job for them. Uh, really well-coached program that's humming right now, uh, really better than it ever has, uh, maybe at least back to the to the 70s. Uh, obviously good teams there, Michigan State, Villanova, Kansas, all off to great starts. Duke is beating ranked teams by a lot in, in some cases, or at least surviving the overtime and whatever. To me, it's the biggest story there is that Arizona has completely fallen off the face of the earth. The, this Adidas stuff has really uh, hurt them. They were number two. They lost badly to unranked teams, and uh, that may be unprecedented, falling from two to unranked. The good news is Syracuse doesn't have to play any of those teams, right? I mean, three of those teams. I was going to say, <laughs> other than Duke, Kansas, and Notre Dame. And, uh, Notre Dame right? Three of the top five. And Dictionary.com coming out with the word of the year, complicit, has uh, been searched by, uh, or the search for the word of complicit has gone up by 300% over last year, thanks to some big news stories throughout 2017. Kind of uh, appropriate for the first one that we hit here, but uh, yeah. I wonder, I wonder if there was an actual Google search. Yeah. Am I complicit? <laughs> Collusion, I thought, would have been a good yeah, one. Yeah, that could be a good one up there. Uh, and you're complicit in giving me an ulcer, Joe Salzone. Oh, you're working yes. you daily. <laughs> uh, Do We Care is brought to you by Cam's Pizzeria. Cam's. Love it for a slice. Back with more when we continue. We'll talk basketball. It's the Matt Rowe Bowl tonight as Syracuse and Maryland square off in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. That's next in the booth on ESPN Radio Syracuse. The Orange women return to action Thursday in the Carrier Dome against Northwestern. Orange pregame 645, tip 7 o'clock. On the pulse of the Orange, ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. This is In the Booth with Matt Park. So we'd spend the last couple of minutes of the show with our friend Matt Rowe. It's the Orange and Maryland at the Carrier Dome tonight, and who would know better what it means when Syracuse and Maryland get together. There have been some good games over the years between the programs. And, uh, Matt, a special one for you and your family. What do you think? Hey, torturous team, Matty. I don't, I don't know what's worth having to go to the game tonight with the Cubs playing the Terps or listening to a Geico commercial previously before I went on. Well, it's yeah, I know. Day, tough day. <laughs> sorry, sorry, bro. To, to rub it in. You know that the show is brought to us by uh, CH Insurance. Yeah, that, no. <laughs> and our friend Joe. I don't know if you've heard Jenny and Joey's commercials. Let, let's, let's stay on Geico. Forget CH. <laughs> if you had to pick the lesser of two evils. Well, <laughs> we, uh, we called you a little late, so I appreciate your patience and, and uh, no won't want to uh, uh, abuse your time here. But, uh, you know, it's, th- these are two programs that should play and uh, have over time. They won back to back national championships in 02 and 03. That's one of the connections. You're one of the connections. Uh, the great game played in Denver in 04 in the NCAA tournament uh, is a great one that uh, the guys eked out. Um, 
Coach Beheim and Gary Williams being friends, and that's how we always tell the story. I don't know if you tell it, but when I tell the story of your uh, transferring, we, we use the expression "out of the frying pan and into the fire." Uh, Coach <laughs> Beheim and Gary Williams, what what a connection you know those two have, and uh, what an experience that must have been for you to to play at both programs. It was. I mean, two Hall of Famers, uh, two intense coaches. It's funny when I when I did. Uh, get my release, you know, coach told me, go look at schools. If you don't like anything, you can always come back. And, you know, a lot of people don't know. I looked at Kentucky with Patino, um, looked at, um, Loyola Marymount, Hank as was my host, looked at Northwestern. Uh, they, they told me I had to play the three, uh, in the, in the big 10. And I didn't think that a guy named Rex Walters who eventually went to Kansas, but then I went to Rutgers where Earl and, uh, Keith Hughes were, but it's crazy when I did decide to go to Maryland, Coach Bayham was perplexed, thinking, you know, you think I yell a lot. He's crazier <laughs> than I am. So, you know, it, I didn't know what I was going into. You know, I, I, it was a kind of a cool year, redshirting. Uh, I was kind of Gary's golden child on the second team, uh, playing against the first team. I got to be in the scouts. like the, You know, I'd be like a Rodney Monroe or a Dennis Scott. He gave me uh, free reign. And then once you're on the starting five, it's just a different, it's just a different dynamic with, Coach Williams, I mean, he expects a lot of you, as does Coach Beheim. You know, film sessions were very intense and practices were intense. And, uh, you know, they, uh, you know, I guess Coach Beheim gave my blessing because they're, they're coaching buddies. You know, they golf a lot. And, uh, Coach is a much better golfer, Coach Beheim, than Coach Williams. Uh, Gary was rumored to throw clubs on the course, and I, I don't think Coach Beheim would ever do that. But, uh, you know, just two intense guys that hate, hate, hate to lose. And there's always, um, you know, they can. You can be playing, you know, a St. Bonaventure or a Colgate in the middle of December, and they make it seem like it's, you know, the game that's going to be the difference of them being on the bubble or getting in the NCAA tournament. Uh, they make all the games seem like ACC or Big East finals. So that's that's the quality, uh, the takeaway I got from both those coaches. You never take a day off. You know, you get up every day to work. You put the pants on. You dress up. You show up. It's half the battle with those guys, and they respected the players that did that for both of their programs, they didn't let you take any days off. You know, and I could see, Matt, knowing you as I do, and, and the, we're friends, and I, I know how you conduct yourself day-to-day with your family and with your business, I could see where that's rubbed off on you, you know, both of those guys, right? I mean, you you take your business seriously, you take your time with your family seriously, and, and approach every day importantly. Well, it's, you're the same way, Matt. I mean, you've you got to be a perfectionist of what you do. You know, I always joke with you that you're like the university's you know, Rand McNally asked, geez, I mean, any name someone needs to know, right? History, you know, people try to stump you with stuff. You, you know your stuff and you come prepared. And that's how I've always felt those guys in my life uh, influenced it. You can't, you know, there's no, um, if you don't bring it every day in practice, you're not going to bring in the games. If you don't bring it in the games, uh, you're going to be sitting at home and, and, and always saying, what if, you know, I wish I did this, wish I did that. So absolutely. Um, those guys are, you know, always in my head in business. What would they do? How you lead people? Um, how you get the most out of people that, you know, may have some characteristics. Everybody's wired differently, but you try to find the best in them and accentuate that and empathize and, and try to get the best out of someone. And um, at times, you know, it's a, it can it can be a dangerous slope, but uh, those guys are some of the best of uh, just life skills. And, and most of the players you talk to won't respect it the year after they graduate or two years, and they'll have maybe not so kind words for those coaches. But at the end of the day, I'm, I'm still in a group chat with probably seven or eight guys I played with at Maryland. Uh, our bond is still there. And and, and yesterday uh, I posted 
uh, a thing that was on Facebook that Coach Hahn is now speaking, who's our assistant coach at Maryland, uh, is going around the country and speaking at different schools. And I put Coach Hahn on the link with the eight guys I stay in touch with. And one of the funniest things Coach Hahn said was, you know, I can't believe all these years later you guys still stay in touch, and that's an awesome thing. And I told him a lot of it has to do with you and Gary Williams. You know, you guys, the stories, the laughs, the things we used to go through with you guys – and uh, it's something we'll never forget. And this was almost 30 years ago. You know, we're, we're out of time, Matt, but I, I'd love to, if we had more time, have you pick sides. You know, best <laughs> uh, Derek Coleman versus Len Bias, uh, best, best pizza place, you know, that, that kind of stuff. But uh, I know you have a fondness for, for both places. I hope you enjoy it tonight. It'll be a great thing. You know, I, I got tickets from someone who told me I couldn't wear any turf gear. My son Trevor went right online and he'll be wearing a red Maryland Terrapin shirt tonight. I'll, I'll go a little less incognito with it, but uh, he's fired up, and uh, uh, I'm sure I'll see you before the game. And it's going to be a, it's going to be a fun one. Two great teams tonight. All right, looking forward to it, man. Thanks for your time. Thanks, guys. That's Matt Rowe. He uh, averaged 18 points a game for Maryland after transferring here, uh, playing with some very talented Syracuse teams, as you know, in the late 80s and uh, early 90s. Matt was an all-ACC caliber team. That'll do it. Back on the air 5.30 tonight for Orange Pregame. For Joe and Polly. I'm Matt saying so long in the booth on ESPN Radio Syracuse.